When do you feel the most like yourself? When do I feel the most like myself? <laughs> I don't know, I guess, I, I guess when I'm at, at peace of mind. I mean, when, I, when I'm relaxing, I mean, I love uh, watch, watching cartoons, watching SpongeBob. I <laughs> know <laughs> <laughs> it sounds crazy, but no, I mean, uh, and a lot of times I feel the most like me when I have me a nice drink of Jägermeister and, and, you know, and just enjoy myself, you know, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I'm being honest. Mind telling me your name? Yeah, sure. My name is Becky Harlan. Michael Kroger, recreational hockey player, lawyer, Chicago, Illinois. My name is Vernon Draper. Jamel Winston. I'm Jay Dev. Gina Christina Simo. Christian Glasset. Wait, actually, my yeah. name is William Hebert. All right, who are you? Who am I? That's a damn good question. <laughs> I am a friend of yours. I am a computer scientist from France. I'm a human being. I'm also a gambler. I'm your mother. <laughs> how does everything that's good? Mixed with a little bang. Everything that's good mixed with some bang. And I'm Lizzie Peabody. This is Your Story Here, a podcast about humans and the common threads that bind us. I first started interviewing strangers after a couple of decades of being told not to talk to them. This show is about sharing some of the conversations that I've had. Now they're yours too. I dated my college boyfriend for almost eight years. We met my freshman year, the first semester of my freshman year. I lived on the fourth floor, and he lived on the second floor of my dorm. And for the first two weeks of college, he thought that I was the resident counselor, because, like the actual resident counselor, I was blonde. And because I, quote, walked around like I knew where I was going. Which was a big surprise for me to learn, because I felt just as lost as the next person. He was the smartest person I had ever met. And he was exotic in some ways an Oklahoman son of two college professors, partially homeschooled, but completely familiar in his demeanor. He had this gentleness about him that made him approachable and a sort of a stretchy boyishness in his limbs that I found completely appealing. We became close friends, and one night he fell asleep in my bed while I worked on a sketch for my drawing class, and rather than waking him up and sending him on his way, I climbed in with him. For the first few months of dating, we kept our relationship a secret because we both agreed it would be unwise to eliminate our other options so early in the year, which was very pragmatic. Neither of us figured it would last. We dated all four years of college and then for a year-long distance when I went to live abroad, as did he. And then we moved to Washington, D.C., where we spent three years together. I was 19 when we met and I was 27 when I broke up with him. We had been companions for so long, I didn't know who I was without him, but the need to find out is what propelled me to end the relationship. It was the right thing to do, but it was still the hardest thing I'd ever done. It felt like I cleft myself in two. The day after I sat on the floor of his bedroom and told him I didn't want to be together anymore, I went to school. I was teaching kindergarten at the time. I remember feeling like every movement carried a dull kind of pain. I remember setting the table for my students' breakfast, and as I placed each tray down on the table, 
I thought, ow, ow, ow. With each little plastic sleeve containing those weird avocado green colored institutional non-biodegradable spork implements, the only thing they let elementary schoolers eat with. With every spork that I put into a tray, I thought, ow, ow, ow. And each step around the table, all I thought was ow, ow. This single word just appeared in my head. It was my only thought, this meditative refrain that I felt in my body. And then my students began to arrive. Hi, Miss Peabody. Miss Peabody, I went to Kmart this weekend and we got muffins. Miss Peabody, I rode my bike with my abuelo. And in a moment, I was back in the swing of it. I was entirely focused on them, asking questions, talking about the day we were about to spend together, reminding them that we don't eat our pancakes with our hands. Though who can really blame them when you look at the spork? After breakfast, we cleaned up and went to the carpet for morning announcements. And a miraculous thing happened. The day began as usual. And I forgot myself. I remained in motion, forward and forward and forward, until 3.30 when my last student skipped out the door. And there I was with me again. During the days and weeks that followed, school was the one place where I felt relief. This was where other people needed my constant attention and there was no time or place to think about me. This episode focuses on the moments when we escape ourselves. Or maybe the moments when we find ourselves through others. Okay, so I always start by saying, what's your name? Alvaro is my name. Okay, and who are you? Wow, that's a very difficult question. Because I tend to define myself by what I do. And start with that, which is easy. I am a professor, university professor, and uh, I've been doing that for quite some time. But the real question, who am I? I really don't know. Wow, that's a tough one to start with. When you say you define yourself by what you do, that's very typical of Americans. Is, is that also typical in Spain? No. I think it's typical. Have you heard of... I'm not supposed to be the one that asked the question, but <laughs> the Enneagram? This is a... a, a it's, it's a model that describes different types of personality according to what made you suffer in, during your childhood really? and how you, how you heal your, your, uh, your wound. Oh. And there are like nine types. One of those is number three, which is called also the, like the performer, the guy that mm. tries to do everything well, that tries to have a facade and, and is a, like, a guy showing off all the time. So that's number three, You're which number is mine. Number three is typically define themselves by their their tasks mm. because they're efficient or we are efficient we're effective so we tend to say okay what I am is what I do my father died July 12th this year mm. and the thing is when he died I didn't want anyone to come because I wanted just to be alone and still people started to come and that was a very, very amazing lesson I got because I realized that I didn't want people to come because I wasn't used to having people around me just because. I was used to feeling okay with people around me because I had made some merit 
and they were just a, a recognizing it. When I got something done and typically well done, it was the, 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 the praise of people that were enjoying my, my, my results that allowed me to kind of find who I was. You were but that stopped. On, on their validation. Yeah, their all the time. Mm-hmm. All the time, in every single aspect of my life. So if I weren't the, the, the result of my, my achievement, if I weren't my tasks, who was I? So that, that left an, an emptiness which was difficult to handle. You work as a professor. Yep. Of what subject? It's a operations research, mm-hmm. which may sound like nothing, but it's kind of a, an area of applied mathematics. I, I'll never be a good researcher. I, I do my job, I get some published paper, uh, uh-huh. some papers published, but I'm not, I'm not that good researching. I, I get by. But what I like is teaching. I love it. And I, in that sense, I think the discipline is just an excuse for me to, to, to work with, with the students, which are amazing. Sometimes I go to class and I'm not that okay. I'm, not, I'm in a bad state of humor and I just get there, forget about myself, and I just enjoy that. Yeah. It's healing. Because when you get into class, you forget about yourself. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, happiness I, I showed up. I feel so happy when I'm doing that. I started thinking about that like two years ago. I was connecting the, the, the dots. Okay, sometimes people may do that earlier on, but I started doing that when I was 38. Like, okay, <laughs> this is the reason why I feel so, so well when I'm teaching, because I'm not thinking about myself. So do you, you live by yourself with your cats? Yep. Have you always lived alone? I've had different stages in my life. I have, I've had roommates. I've lived with a, two of my girlfriends. And in between I left, I lived alone and now I'm again living by myself. Are you afraid of winding up alone? Sometimes. It doesn't last for long, but sometimes that happens. Typically, when I'm going, when I'm about going to sleep, this kind of time where you're not really awake and your fears show up, show up. When that happens, sometimes that fear is there. But I also have another fear, which is ending up with someone I don't want to be with. So there are these two fears that like fight with each other and. I had been dating this a girl for six years and actually I wasn't willing to commit. I might say so, but I wasn't behaving that way. Mm-hmm. That was one of the reasons why she decided to, to, to end the relationship because I, she felt I wasn't there, I wasn't committing. And, and she was right with that. I was putting my energy in, in, in something else. In this case, work. Sometimes she came from work and it was 10 p.m. and I was working. And sometimes actually both of us were working, one by the other one with our computers. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't devoting time or energy or illusion to plan things or to go for a trip or to go and see that movie. It was just. All my energy, all my thoughts were devoted to, to, to getting things solved at, at work. And, and, and it was an amazing relationship. I, I never had a, 
a connection with anyone like that and but was it a problem with me and that girl or is it a problem with me and commitment yeah and the the truth is i don't know i don't know because i want to find something new and, and i want to get the, the, the approval or the recognition of, of someone else, even if there's no someone else yet. It's like, okay, I, I, I'm being given all the, she thought I was great and, 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 and so on, and okay, this I have. Could it be that I want to get that again and again? I don't know. When I met this, uh, this girl in the tiles of the kitchen, she wrote things. She likes it. And I liked the idea. And I wrote some things in, in my own kitchen for me to remember them, to have them very present. Mm -hmm. While I was, say, preparing my coffee in the morning or whatever. Mm -hmm. And one of them was like, don't get used to things or something like that, if you have to translate it into English. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that hurt most when I think about, about the relationship is that I, I, I got used to it. That that's I was so sad. Well, it's a uh, it, it hurts a lot not being able to make a decision because she'd be willing to 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 to, to try it again if she knew I'm committed to it. I'm really convinced that I want to be there. I wasn't and I wasn't willing to, to lie and to tell her something that wasn't true I'm just being trying to be okay with how things are but it's been quite some time being like that so it's like I'm afraid of nothing happening like mm -hmm. being like this forever oh mm -hmm. well, I, I just get naked here <laughs> you, you know what you know everything about me <laughs> Yeah, no. you did very well. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. It's been I've enjoyed it a lot. So, can you start by just telling me your name? My name is Joseph Ngwa. I am from Cameroon, which is Central or West Africa. And who are you? I'm an ancestral master drumming oracle slash divine doctor. What does that mean when you say you're an oracle? Uh, an oracle is a mouthpiece of something. When you're an oracle, you are a messenger that transmits messages that come through you. So I am the mouthpiece of our ancestors wow. through the drum. Through the drum? Yeah. So if you were not a drummer, you would not be an oracle? No. I mean, this, there are other ways to be, to do that. But for my specific purpose, I am a drumming oracle. So when I drum, the drum speaks the language and the message of the ancestors and the, the divine. What does it feel like when you play the drum? When you drum, your energy level is elevated. So sometimes you are, can go into a complete trance, or sometimes you are halfway semi-conscious state 
what we call transcendental meditation, what we call transcendental drumming. <laughs> You're just there. How did you learn to play the drums? Well, I was born in a family where there was uh, always music and ceremonies. So I grew, grew up observing and practicing with the elders in the village. So uh, part of the cultural practices of the people. I came to the United States in 1973. I came here to pursue uh, ed education. And I did attend university for a while. But the drum called me more. So I had to stop my uh, academic pursuit to answer the call of the drum because it was needed in the community here. Here in D.C.? Yeah. Don't you, when you hear the drum, doesn't your body respond? Yes. Okay. That's why I keep coming back to West African dance, even though I'm not a great dancer, you know? When, but I love to feel it. it. It's a connection that I don't get anywhere else. There you go. That makes my point <laughs> about the drum connecting you to a higher level of consciousness. And uh, that consciousness enlivens and energizes your energy. So you get empowered, you get grounded, you get more focused, and you're more serene and positive about yourself. So that the drum heals you. When you are a drummer, you are a healer. Because when you drum, it's not about you. So you cannot be drumming for egotistical masturbation. Yeah, if you have that kind of disposition, that's when you can become negative. And then you disrespect the drum. And that's the price you pay for that. What's the price you pay? Well, if you abuse the drum, the drum will reject you. What, is, what does that mean? It means you will not be a, an effective or a good drummer. And sometimes the drum just becomes hostile when you pick it up. You then going to have negative energy from the drum. Then you will not be able to play the drum. You have to abandon it. Wow. Has that happened to people that you know? Yeah. So it sounds like the drum is almost a living, breathing thing. Absolutely. Yes, you're so right. Have you ever taught anybody to play the drums? I'm a drum teacher. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's what I do. That is part of my calling. It does not the light is my passion. You came to this world to fulfill a purpose. And a lot of people come out here, it's about making money. And and pursue the la 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 la. But the system does not position you to take a serious introspection and find out who am I, what am I here for, what am I supposed to do, or for what purpose. With the drum, I've served and done a whole lot. And even far beyond my imagination, 
has touched so many people. And that must be a big relief in a way to be motivated by something other than a personal desire for for glory or for money. You know, I think people search for a purpose. When you serve other people, you serve yourself. If you are doing that in the spirit of honesty and sincerity and the desire to want to be a better human being, to serve other humanity in the spirit of true love. Are you afraid of anything? Now, no. But before, yeah, I was uh, afraid of failure. Getting there, get your own cut. Yeah. <laughs> and to be deprived of it and be poor is not complimentary. So you are afraid of being impoverished. I'm afraid of that too. <laughs> exactly. And you go on the street out there, you see a lot of homeless people. That's frightening. Because, but for the grace of God, they go you. So you used to be afraid of that, but not anymore? No, not anymore. So what changed? Uh, my experience that as a, a representative of something that's bigger than me, and to put it succinctly, when I serve God, then I don't need to be afraid. It reminds me to be more grateful. Fear cuts two ways, a double-edged sword. It can paralyze you, or it can also be a, a motivational source for you. My mother always tells me to be fearless. Exactly. Exactly. But really, fear is, there's, no, there's nothing to be afraid of. The only thing we're afraid of is because we're immature. So you just have to keep on and okay, above all, believe in yourself. That's where I was putting the fear. The thing about being a person in the world is that you're stuck with you for your entire life. And no matter how much you like yourself, there are going to be times when you need to get away from you. I no longer work as a classroom teacher, but I do still find ways to lose myself. There have been days when I've felt completely useless and dejected, just unable to get traction or keep it all in perspective, until I go out and find someone to interview. There is something so liberating about that brief but intense focus on someone else, like a little vacation from me. So thanks, guys, and thanks especially to Vernon, Joseph, and Alvaro. This interview with Joseph took place at the Washington Dance Institute after a West African dance class in the hallway outside the studio, which is why you can hear the custodial staff bumping around with the vacuum. For a picture of Joseph, check us out on Twitter at Your Story Here DC. Oh, and after Alvaro's interview, I did look up the Enneagram. It's pretty interesting. 
you should check it out. I think I may also be a number three. Your Story Here is produced and distributed by me, Lizzie Peabody, and by Goat Rodeo in Washington, D.C. You can find shows like this one and more at GoatRodeoDC.com and by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GoatRodeoDC. Do it. While you're there, be sure to check out some of our other great shows like Between the Liner Notes, Dispatches, DC Diary, and Failure. I'm Lizzie Peabody, and this is your story here. Keep an ear out for us. Calling it. It's as good as it's gonna get. Silly planes, stupid birds, construction, garbage trucks. Why is the morning so loud? <laughs>